0: Welcome to Our Village Circle, a podcast centered around authentic sharing, honest storytelling, and elevating the voices of parents and professionals alike to demystify the realities of new parenthood. We understand on a visceral level that with the joy of your new human also comes every other emotion under the sun. We want you to feel seen, Heard, known, and held in this life altering stage. We wholeheartedly believe that everyone's story has something powerful to offer others as they navigate their own journey. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our second episode of the Our Village Circle podcast. I'm your host, Jaylee Turner, and today's episode is going to be a continuation of last week's discussion with Allison Coleman, mom and creator of Joey Roo, a baby apparel brand dedicated to supporting and encouraging newly postpartum parents. If you haven't listened to last week's episode yet, go ahead and pause this go back to episode one and take a listen. It was a really, really great conversation about the lived experience of having a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder and the state of maternal mental health in the United States. In this episode, she talks about Joey Farou's mission, her vision for the future of the company, and how she is committed to anti-racism and supporting Black-owned businesses. She also shares the resources that have been most helpful to her throughout her journeys with both postpartum and starting a small business. Let's go ahead and take a listen. You started a company, yeah, from your experience.
1: Yep. Tell us about that. So I started my little company called Joey Feru. It'll almost be a year now. So January 2020, I started the company because. I really felt there was a big hole in terms of clothing for babies that is actually meant for moms and parents. Because I would just, especially when I was really deep in the postpartum depression, I would get my kid <laughs> dressed every day and he'd be wearing a cute little onesie that would say, Mama's little cutie pie, or something like that. And it was cute, but I just felt, what is this doing for me? And I'm a big mantra and affirmation person. And one of the things that did help me when I was struggling was writing things down. And I would just write down, I am strong. I am capable. I am loved. You're okay. You've got this. Just breathe. And I would put them on sticky notes and, you know, put them where I thought that I might see them during the day. And it occurred to me at some point that I was like, oh, I should just put this on the baby. <laughs> like, I'm seeing him all the time. And when he's crying is when I really need that yeah. reminder that I'm okay. And I need to breathe. And so I started doing a search on the internet. And I was like, for sure, this has to exist already. There's no way that this doesn't exist. And I could not find anything. And that to me was just like, okay, this is something that we need to have because moms are struggling. Parents are struggling. And all we're putting on these babies is I'm the cutest and daddy's little hunk and things like that and that's not to say that there aren't some really amazing adorable kids clothes with awesome messages but I just felt like this is a real opportunity to put support for parents right where they're going to see it and I thought about it for a couple months before I actually started printing some up and did a test run with friends and family. And yeah, they (laughs) went off really well. So I decided to try and see what I could do on a larger scale.
0: Yeah, I I remember you and I got connected through a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. And when I heard about these onesies for the first time, I remember just thinking, that's brilliant. I was like, Oh Thank you. my God, if I had these onesies, when my son was a newborn, the messages on your onesies are so compassionate. Like my favorite one that I get for all of my friends now who are having babies, it says yeah. we're growing together. And Oh my God, I could cry thinking about how much I needed <laughs> to hear something <laughs> like that. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm like getting emotional thinking about it. Like, yeah. Like seeing a message like that on a really hard day would have been just So amazing. Yeah. And it means I
1: I will say it means so so much to me that you I just appreciate so much you getting them for all your friends because I think that more than anything was really my intention was for this to be something that could be gifted to moms. Like I'm very happy when they buy them for themselves. That does that gives me some joy, but it gives me extra joy when it's somebody that's getting them for a friend because Yeah essentially, what I'm also hoping that they do is when you get one for a friend, what you're saying to your friend is, I know that this can be a hard experience. And I'm here for you if you need to talk about it. And I'm a safe place because I get it. Or even if I don't get it, I'm going to try and get it. And I'm going to listen and I'm here for you.
0: Yeah. Um, And it does open the door. My friends who I've gotten the onesies for, they send me a picture on a day that their kid is wearing the onesie. I just get this sense. I'm like, oh, it was a bit of a rough day, huh? And it opens the door for them to then have a discussion or Mm -hmm. for them to feel comfortable sharing what their day was like. Because not every day is blissful with a newborn. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just having that message when you need it and knowing that, okay, there's a support system here. What I'm going through is not abnormal. I'm not alone. And for me, it was also that idea of, on every little bodysuit that goes out, I have the tags that specifically have my story on there and some just my best experience and my worst experience. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that through that, I can also share that you're not alone. This, yeah. What you're going through is not something that you have to suffer through by yourself. And that there's yeah. an entire community of people who have struggled with this before. And unfortunately, an entire community of people who are going to struggle with this after. And we're in this together, even when we're not like, you are the only one at home with your screaming baby who's about to lose your mind, but <laughs> it doesn't have to feel so isolating.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I love the community sense that you've created with it. And I love the message. Thank I just you. Think it's so wonderful. It and it, a it, lot. It is, it's creating that validation for other parents too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just started working as a postpartum doula and it's something that I plan to Give to clients as a parting gift. Oh, and I
1: appreciate that so much. Yeah, yeah,
0: I think it's such an important message, especially postpartum in general is a really isolating time. Mm-hmm. Add on to it a global pandemic. One of the right. things, like one of the things I said when COVID hit, and we all got put on the stay-at-home orders, and we were <sighs> all home. It was a very familiar feeling to me, mm-hmm. that being stuck in the house day after day. Yes. alone with my son, which again, even now I'm feeling myself have that self-judgment of, oh my God, it's hard to spend time with your son. Like even right. as I'm saying like <laughs> those right, like, inner right. voices are coming up. Yeah. I remember the feeling was just so familiar. And I posted on Facebook for anyone who is really struggling with cabin fever and isolation and not being able to get out of the house and anything, just know that every day postpartum women are going through this. Yep. The entire world is now experiencing the life of a postpartum parent. And actually it was yeah. almost worse because when I was newly postpartum, for me getting out of the house was very important. And so yeah. was, it was the middle of winter. So I would like troll the aisles of Target for COVID. Like I cannot even imagine what this is like right now for a person. Yeah. So, this and is then, a time where they really need that support. Right.
1: And adding on to the fact that it's already <laughs> giving birth, it's going to be a tough experience. And all of a sudden, especially in the very beginning, I'm not sure where things are right now, but you couldn't have your doula in there anymore. You yeah. in in New York and a lot of other places, you couldn't even have a support person there with you.
0: Right. And that became a human rights is, issue. Exactly. Um, I mean, so that got overturned. It was just, yeah. And
1: that's a reality. And People whose babies were taken away from them because they got tested for COVID. It was just the experience in itself is already going to be traumatic. And then when you add in all of these other things that potentially could have happened, and even just the trauma leading up to that, I had a friend who was delivering in April and she was not an anxious person. And the amount of anxiety that she experienced leading up to her delivery was, something I had never seen from her before and it's such a difficult situation that I think no one could have prepared for and was just handled really poorly.
0: Yeah and I think right now people are having to have the difficult discussions too about who is their support team going to be when they have the baby Mm -hmm. and how are they going to ensure that it's safe Because not everyone can just have their parents quarantine for 14 days and have other aspects of their lives that they need to continue on with. And even their
1: partner quarantining for 14 days or a kid quarantining for four. You know what I mean? If you have a kid in your house, it's really difficult. And I have all the empathy in the world for everybody going through this right now because it just is such a difficult situation because we have all these people who we want to make sure that they're having the best birth experience that they possibly can and having all the support that they possibly can and we also need to make sure that the people who are delivering that baby are safe and the people in the hospital and people in these birth centers are safe as well and it's just such an impossible situation
0: it is there's no
1: easy answers
0: Yeah, and it's changing every day, too. More information Mm -hmm. is coming out about pregnancy and postpartum and breastfeeding and COVID and everything, and restrictions in the hospitals are changing day to day, especially Mm -hmm. like this is being recorded around the holidays, and we're seeing a rise in numbers again in the DC metro area. So again, the number of support people allowed in the room is starting to become limited again, and there are a couple Mm -hmm. of hospitals around here that have already said one support person, either your partner or your doula. Mhm. And what a choice that is. Yeah, I mean it's and make. it's tough
1: because I think so much of it and you'll know much better, but I feel like they're supposed to work as a team. I think I I've, <laughs> I've heard the quote that like the your partner is your support person and the doula is the support person for the partner because the partner is going to be able to help you through it and because they know they have that relationship with you already and the doula can just be there with the tool belt of all of the knowledge and all of the support and being an advocate for you and everything so having to make that choice between those two people how do you do that
0: yeah and the doula community is finding workarounds with it but Mm -hmm. it's just such a unique situation that we've never seen before and Mm yeah yeah this whole time during COVID in the forefront of my mind has been, oh my gosh, what about all the newly postpartum people? Yeah, I Uh, know. I agree.
1: Cause I just, I think like you said, it was almost just a refresher. And I I heard that from so many fellow moms who would say, this just feels like postpartum again. It feels like I'm just back with a newborn, even if their kid was like five or six or something, it just feels like I'm right back there. And so I think for so many of us, it was just, a very brutal reminder of what that was like. And then imagining what if I was going through
0: that during this? Exactly. I lost all of my employment during COVID. And so I was, mm-hmm. I was home. I, in some ways I was forced into this stay at home mom role that I didn't choose. Yeah. I think very early on for me, I made the decision because at the beginning of the pandemic was still really in the midst of a lot of my grief over my first maternity leave. hmm I made the decision that I wanted to do everything in my power to really make this the maternity leave that I had hoped for myself mm-hmm. the first time because I was in a bit of a better place. And so for me, I really took that time to, to really spend intentional time with my son and bond with him and everything. And I was lucky I did not have double-edged sword, lost all my income, was lucky <laughs> that I didn't have a job to worry about. So I could right. focus on this. So for me, I felt like a few months in, I finally felt as a mom, the way I imagined I would have felt mm-hmm. at the end of my maternity leave. And for me, the quarantine was in some ways, I feel a little selfish saying this, but it was a bit of a healing experience mm-hmm. because I, I did suffer so much in that first year.
1: Yeah, I um, agree. I had a very similar experience. I feel like the, I was it was really tough. I was working full-time and watching my son full-time and it was just, I felt like I was burning the candle at both ends. But at the same time, I was just so grateful because like you said, it felt like I almost got a redo for my maternity leave. I suddenly was able to have a lot of bonding time with him and we'd go for walks every day. And I really needed that. And I'm with you. It feels wrong to say, but I'm grateful for that quarantine time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think The Joey Peru mission is just so wonderful. And I'm so glad that I was able to have those to send to my friends who gave birth during that time.
1: Oh, that means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I One of the things that I did in the very beginning was I put together a fundraiser for, because I had a Same thing. I was just thinking of these families who were giving birth in this, and I just couldn't imagine what they were going through. And we provided 500 onesies to the local hospitals here in Baltimore so that families got those. And as well, I put a bunch of virtual resources on our store website because I felt like these resources that I was able to access in terms of all the things that a postpartum and pregnant person needs, birthing classes, therapy, physical therapy and all of these things who's doing things online and if someone isn't doing something online in your area can you go to one in a different state so I put together all these resources on my website and yeah we did a fundraiser to be able to provide 500 of those onesies to families who delivered and also give those resources and for me that just felt like I just I wanted to do something I don't even know now if people if they resonated or anything but I just feel like for me it was so valuable to be able to do that and I'm so grateful to everybody that donated who helped make that possible because I would not have been able to do it without their support and um, I think that's so wonderful yeah and just the hospital staff were so excited about giving them out and it just really it helped me feel like I had something to do
0: yeah, um, And I hope
1: it was helpful to those families as well, just to, as well, just to know. I just really wanted people to feel like you're not alone during this and you're not being forgotten because I think that, especially in the very beginning with everything going on, that was a group that really may have felt very forgotten about because we were focusing a lot on these different groups. And I think that nobody deserves to be forgotten about and we need to make sure that we're supporting people who are going through that.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And in addition to donating the onesies to the hospitals, you and your company are very committed to Mm anti-racism.
1: When we talk about maternal mental health and we talk about birth trauma, the birth mortality rate, and all of that, we really need to recognize how disproportionately that's affecting people that are not white because those efforts get whitewashed so often. And I know for me, when I was about PMADs. The vast majority of the stories that I was reading were from white women who looked like me. And this is our issue to fix because as white women, we are living in a society where we have a lot of struggles and we are very privileged. And yeah. Yeah. we need to do what we can to fix this for everybody. Maternal mental health has to be intersectional and not just for white women, not just for black women, not just for Hispanic women, not just for Asian women, but everybody who's giving birth as well. We can't just be pretending that cisgender women are the only ones who are giving birth. I think this really needs to be across the board, something that we're paying attention to.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know. And I think about that a lot too, Of you know... Uh, as a privileged white woman, I still fell through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And it's, for all intents and purposes, it's easier for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I if feel the I same dealt way. with
0: that, then what the heck are people of color going to do, you know? Yeah. 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 The system is
1: built for us and it's still not serving us. Correct. How can we expect there to be successful outcomes when it's not a system that's been built for them?
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think more awareness is being brought to the surface about the maternal mm-hmm. health crisis and specifically how it is affecting marginalized communities, mm-hmm. which is a start, but we have a long way to go. Yeah. And so tell us about what Joey Farou has been doing um, to aid in that effort. I think... For me, it really stemmed,
1: I wish I could say that I had taken action before. I think that from the very beginning of starting Joey Peru, it was important to me to make sure that our calls for improvement to maternal mental health and the maternal mortality crisis and all of that were intersectional, but I wasn't really taking a lot of actions towards making that a reality and making sure that was something that we stood behind. It was just something that I had in my mind that was important to me, but Especially after the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, I was fortunate to be able to do a lot more research and attend a lot more webinars and talk to a lot more people about how to make sure that my actions were aligning with my values. And I was really grateful to attend a small business town hall webinar that was organized by Rachel Rogers. And essentially she put out an anti-racism action plan i use that as my blueprint and it has been so valuable to me and i highly recommend it to anybody who is learning who is interested in learning more about how they can not only have their business goals align with that but also their personal goals i found it very beneficial for me personally and even just for my family because i think that we can also think about our families as businesses sometimes how we spend our money matters So my long-term goal is to eventually have 30% of all the money spent through Joey Farouk to going to Black-owned businesses. For right now, I'm still so small. I don't really have that many expenses. (laughs) And one of the things that I really appreciated with this town hall was the understanding and acknowledgement that takes time. And this is not an overnight thing. And if we are really committed to this work in the long term, we need to make sure it's sustainable, not immediate. And so the 30% goal is something that I'm really working towards now um, and doing my best to fulfill that in the long-term goal. And for right now, I'm making sure that 10% of all my online sales go to a Black-owned organization who's benefiting the Black community, Black mothers, Black parents, Black babies, Black children. Yeah, it's been a really great learning experience for me and something that I'm very passionate about and something that I am really committed to learning more and more about and making sure that I'm not just saying these things, but really taking the action steps towards it.
0: Yeah, putting our money where our mouth is. Exactly. Yeah, that's wonderful. So then what resources would you share with your younger self or for any parents that are about to embark on this journey? Yeah, I want to mention the book
1: that really made a huge difference for me. It's by Karen Klein, and It's called Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts. Oh,
0: I love that I, book.
1: I cannot, I, love it. I cannot, I can't say enough good things about this book. I think maybe one of the most important things for anybody listening who's thinking, oh, uh, books stress me out. It's essentially a, like a children's book, but it's for a adults.
0: book. Yeah.
1: Like, and like a workbook, but not in a scary workbook way. I don't know. It was absolutely everything that I needed at the time. And now, that's the thing that I get for everybody I know, <laughs> is having a baby, because I cannot say enough good things about that book and Karen Kleiman in general and the Postpartum Stress Center. For me, that has just been an absolutely incredible resource. So I cannot recommend that enough. Let's see other resources. One thing that I really got into during, especially during the pandemic, was reading a lot and attending a lot of webinars through Mother Honestly. I think they do really wonderful work as well as the motherhood center if anybody doesn't know about the motherhood center i highly Mm -hmm. encourage you to check them out i know they're doing a lot of virtual work right now during the pandemic as well all of these things i wish that i had just i wish i had known more before i got pregnant before i gave birth i wish i had spent less time researching what to feed a six-month-old and more time (laughs) researching what my postpartum plan was because I knew that I was at a higher risk for postpartum depression and anxiety, and I told myself that I'll be okay. I'll figure it out. Yep. And I spent so much time researching things that didn't really matter. But the amount of time that I spent researching like crib sheets and bumpers and what diaper to get and all of these things and no time spent developing a postpartum mental health plan for myself. That was a disservice that i did that would be the number one thing that i would recommend is anybody who is thinking about getting pregnant or is pregnant or even if you've already had your baby just set that up for yourself and make sure that you have the number who's the therapist that you're going to call what are you going to do what are the warning signs that people need to look for and if you don't know what they are then you need to find them and write them down and hand them to somebody that you love and trust and knows you because sometimes we are not the best judge for ourselves for when we're going through something tough. And we need to be able to ask for help and ask for support. And we we have to be advocates for ourselves and we also have to let other people be advocates for us too.
0: Yeah, and I think that's important too, knowing who those people are, who you can trust to Mm -hmm. ask you honestly how things are going. Yep. And I think even now, it can be really vulnerable to ask someone, hey, I need you to just, Check in on me mm-hmm. and ask me how I'm really doing. Mm-hmm. But that is something that I think could make a world of difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it will. And I think if you know somebody who's having a baby, check in on them too. If somebody who's pregnant, just I think it, this, if you know anybody, check in on them. <laughs> like, yeah. Period. There's
0: often, and even before I had a baby, I assumed this of new moms too, that what they wanted was space. Yes. Because it was such a special time and they were. Yep. Just head over heels and love and just spending the whole time bonding and they wanted privacy because they didn't want anyone impeding on their love bubble right and of course now I will never ever make that assumption again yeah. I am the person who is like what day can I bring you soup yeah help out for a couple of hours and play with yes. the older sibling and whatnot like I will right. just never ever make that assumption again yeah yep
1: <laughs> yeah and I think it's tough because people need different things. And there's also this expectation that if I have somebody over, I'm going to have to be a host to them. So for me, a lot of times I didn't even want people to come over because I didn't feel like putting on a happy face. I didn't feel like sitting with somebody and lying about how much I loved my kid at that moment and how happy I was. And it just felt like a show that I was going to have to put on. And I know that I would have benefited so much from the question of when can I drop off groceries to you? And when can I basically do like a ding dong and ditch of cookies or food or whatever it is? Or right. when can I come over and do your dishes while you're upstairs with the baby and like not even have to see
0: you? <laughs> like, yeah, I, those I are the friends I, that new moms need.
1: Yes, exactly. Like the ones who can just, it's almost like we just need little house elves that will just <laughs> do these things for us. For me, that's what it is. And just knowing I'm here for you to talk to. And I'm also here for you to not talk to. Don't feel like you have to talk to me. Absolutely. Like whatever bubble you need to be in, whether that includes a friend or includes a invisible person who does your dishes. That's what we need.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So then where can listeners find you and where can listeners find your company, Joey Farouk?
1: Yes, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Joey Farouk, J-O-E-Y for F-O-R-O-O. And yeah, I'm on Instagram and Facebook that way. And our website is
0: www.joeyferu.com. And I'll link all of that in the show notes too. Great. Thank you so much for coming on to talk to us today. This was such a great and very needed conversation. I appreciate what you're doing. And I'm just so excited to listen to
1: all the episodes and hear from people. And I'm just. Yeah, really excited for this project.
0: Thank you so much to Allison Coleman for joining us and for sharing her perspective and her experience. You can find the links to all of the resources that Allison shared in this episode at the bottom of our show notes. Join us next time as we chat with Heather White Swartz, a certified nurse midwife and the owner of Loudon Home Birth and Healthcare in Northern Virginia. In this episode, Heather will share her own journey from starting out as a registered nurse training as a midwife, working as a certified nurse midwife in a hospital-based practice, and her subsequent transition to home birth midwifery. We discuss many of the questions and concerns that people have regarding out-of-hospital birth, the state of maternal healthcare in the United States, how the birth world has changed with the emergence of COVID-19, and how friends and family members can support a newly postpartum parent during a pandemic. This was such an interesting and enlightening conversation and super relevant to the times that we're currently facing. I can't wait to share it with you all. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, feel free to follow, like, and share this podcast with anyone that you feel may benefit from it. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Our Village Circle, and our website is www.ourvillagecircle.com. Thanks for joining us today. I'll see you next time.